one who teases pastor he walked over to me after announcing the ugly sweater party being at my house and he casually mentioned that that won't be a problem for me because all my sweaters are ugly so I appreciate it. <laughs> oh hallelujah we're gonna have a good time and uh, we love all of you love this time of year love this season and I'm thankful for the touch of the Lord. And aren't you just glad that we can be together in the house of God on a Wednesday night? Just a beautiful thing. And I want to talk to you tonight about making room for the miraculous. I'm going to give you my title right away, Making Room for the Miraculous. And I'd like you to grab your Bibles and uh, turn with me to a familiar Christmas passage in the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And then right after that, we're going to go all the way to the back of the book and go to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20. And, uh, but we'll begin here in the Christmas story, just jumping in here uh, as Joseph and Mary are, are going to pay their taxes in in Bethlehem, and it's, it's interesting because it had been prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and yet his parents were from Nazareth, but God knows the future, and God knew that there was going to be a, a tax called, and that they were going to have to travel during Mary's pregnancy, and so they did. And, uh, and they were coming to Bethlehem. It was the time uh, for her to be delivered. In verse 6, it says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. In other words, she was ready to have the baby. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger and then we get this little tag, and, and believe it or not, this is the only gospel that tells us this small but important detail in the Christmas story. And Luke, who is always the most detailed of all the gospel writers, he adds on almost as an afterthought. They laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for them in the end. And then I'd like to take you to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. I know you're standing one verse. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, this is Jesus speaking through the revelator, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, look at your neighbor and say, open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. And so I'm talking about making room for the miraculous. Put your Bibles down, lift up your hands. Let's ask the Lord to help us do just that. God, in your name, we pray right now that we would allow you to enter into our lives, to enter into our homes, our, in, into our hearts, God. Dwell inside of us. Dwell in the midst of our families. Dwell in this tabernacle, I pray. I pray that this church would would be a church that is always making room for you and for your work and for the miraculous things that you want to do in our presence, in our midst. We invite you in, Lord. We praise you and we glorify you. And by the way, I, I don't want to preach this tonight, but the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Why don't we invite him in with praise for just a moment? Can we do that? Lord, we're worshiping you tonight. We magnify you, Lord. We glorify you. We exalt you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You're worthy of all the glory. You're worthy of all the honor. There's none before you, none beside you, none behind you. You are the great I am, the precious rose of Sharon. You are the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. You are the everlasting Father, God. We love you and worship you. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm always struck by this, this little 
story that is prominent. It's, it's such a quick mention in the Gospels, and yet um, if, if you ever go to a Christmas play, especially if there's children involved, uh, there's going to be a, a big scene where there's an innkeeper there, and uh, Mary and Joseph come on the donkey, and, and Mary is, is looking very pregnant, some kind of pillow stuffed under her clothes, and, and, uh, and the innkeeper says very harshly, there's no room for you in the inn. And, and that's, a, that's kind of a, uh, an imagination. We, we assume, uh, we don't have details. The scripture doesn't tell us what the innkeeper said. Uh, the scripture doesn't tell us really anything except that they tried. We know that they tried to go to an inn. They tried to get in. And uh, somehow in that exchange, they were denied access to a place that would have been a better environment for a child to be born in. A place that certainly would have been a better environment for a, a pregnant woman to rest in. And instead of being given access to a warm place like that, a cleaner place, uh, they were told to go or directed in some way, or perhaps they just stumbled their way. We really don't know. But they found their way in, in a stable. And of course, this, this is what captures our imagination and our minds at Christmas time. The, the imagery of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords being born in a stable with animals all around. And then, and then there, was, there was no crib. There was no bed. There was nothing sanitary. They just had to find a manger, and, and they laid the babe in the manger because that's all that there was. We can't even fathom uh, the story without this detail, but the reality is that Jesus should have been born in an inn. He should have been born in an inn. Of course, God knew, and God understood, and God had a plan, and God knows how to work all things together for good. But he was denied access. And this is where we are today. We see in the New Testament that Jesus describes himself as, as knocking on each and every individual's heart's door. He's, he's asking for access. He's, he's giving everyone an opportunity to invite him into their lives, into their hearts, into their midst. And when he comes in, he, he has relationship with them. He dines with them. He sups with them. How many want to go grow closer to God tonight? And, and he's, he's knocking on every heart's door. Sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, Brother Ryan, what about uh, people uh, over there far away and they, they don't know God. I, I have a personal belief that God finds a way to knock on every single individual's heart's door. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God gives every single human being who has ever lived an opportunity to come into relationship with him, an opportunity to grow into his presence. But Every individual is like the innkeeper. Look at yourself and point to yourself and say, I'm like that innkeeper. You're, we're like the innkeeper. We have to make a decision when the miraculous, when the God of heaven and earth, when the Holy Spirit begins to knock on the door of our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our environment, when the miraculous tries to burst onto the scene of our lives. We have to make the decision, are we going to allow him to come in or are we going to send him away? And every human being makes this decision. Will I allow room for the miraculous in my life? By the way, every single person in this room has access to the miracle working power of God. Every single person in this room has access to the miraculous moving of God in your life. The question has always been not whether or not God will do the miraculous, not whether or not God is able or whether or not he's near to us. God it will draw near to those who will draw near to him. The scripture tells us this clearly, that God is always willing to burst into the lives of people who will welcome him. 
But we must make the decision to allow him to step in. We have to let him do it. And this, this is easier said than done. And uh, I'm going to do a little speculation here. And uh, I want to talk to you about things that we know about the innkeeper that even though the scripture doesn't say it specifically, we can infer it from what happened. Number one, the innkeeper was indifferent. He was indifferent. So he has a father and an expectant mother, and he doesn't understand that there is something miraculous taking place. He doesn't realize that that there was uh, a need that was greater than what he already had going on in his life. And this is how it is for many people today. They are unable to recognize what God is trying to do in their life because God rarely. Now we have later in the story, we have people who see angels. And isn't that amazing that uh, the angels sang to them in, in, in the night and then to further contrast the mindset of this innkeeper, we have, uh, we have magi who were coming from the east, wealthy men who had been paying attention to the signs. They had been looking at the prophecies, and they made their way long, long journeys to find the baby king that was born, the Messiah. They were looking for him. Why? Because they were not indifferent to the move of God in this world. They were looking. And because they were looking for the king, they found the king. But we all have to decide, are we going to be looking for the miraculous or are we too busy to recognize what God is doing? I think the best comparison we have as the New Testament church, as pastor has preached so eloquently and so many times, that of course this was the first coming of the Messiah, but you do know that there is a second coming of the Messiah, and it is growing very, very near. And we all have to decide, are we going to be ready when Jesus comes again and raptures his church out of this world? Are we going to make room in our lives for that miraculous moment in, in the twinkling of an eye when the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be caught flat-footed when the rapture takes place. I don't want to be indifferent to the miracle-working power of God when the trumpet sounds. I want to be lifted out of this world. I want to go on up. Amen. But this innkeeper was indifferent like so many people are today. Number two. He was unwilling to make adjustments. Now, you and I know that if you had a house full, imagine maybe this Christmas you have lots, lots of family coming and your house is, is very, 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 very full. And then someone comes by and, and they're obviously, uh, the mother is about to have a baby and the father is desperate. And you see that this is a, a dire situation. Most of us in this room would have compassion and we would make adjustments to our arrangements. We would, we would tell someone, you've got to go share a room with someone else. You're going to have to, it's cold out there. There's nowhere else for, nowhere else for them to go. And you would find a way to move things around. Give up your bed. Give up your room. Give up a living room couch at the very least. You'd find a way to be able to help that desperate family in that moment. But this innkeeper, not only was he indifferent, but he was unwilling to make adjustments to his environment. And this is the problem that many people face today. This is why many people never invite God into their lives. This is why many people never experience the miracle working power of the Holy Ghost. This is why many people never see signs and wonders in their life because they are unwilling to make changes and adjustments to their 
life and their schedule. In other words, they're not going to allow God to inconvenience what they already have going on. And I'm just going to tell you, if you want the miraculous in your life, you're going to have to rearrange some things in your living space. You're going to have to move some things out of your home, and you're going to have to move some things over, and you're going to have to change some things around. It's not going to be your time anymore. It's going to be God's time. This is what it means to make room for the miraculous. But he was unwilling, like so many others. Number three, he was oblivious to the miraculous. He was oblivious to the miraculous. And it's sometimes hard because God does not always come to us with angelic hosts singing in the sky. God doesn't always announce the miraculous with lightning and thunder. In fact, most of the time, the miraculous seems very mundane in the beginning. It must have been hard. I mean, this innkeeper, he, he's talked about a lot. Here I am thousands of years later talking about a nameless innkeeper that nobody even really knows anything about. But we do know that he was unable to recognize that this was a miracle happening. He was unable to see that this was the Messiah. This was God manifest in the flesh. This was a, a virgin birth that was about to take place. He couldn't see it in the natural. And so often with spiritual things and miraculous things, it does not begin looking like a miracle. There has to be a sensitivity in your spirit that is looking for the miraculous, that is longing for the miraculous, that is able to sense what's happening in the spirit, even though you can't see it in the natural. This is exactly what the wise men did. They, it, was, it was just they were sensing something. They were reading, but, but they were sensing. The shepherds were sensing that something is changing. But this innkeeper was oblivious to the work of God. By the way, the scripture says that you have to be careful because angels will sometimes walk among you and make contact with us while we are unaware. The Bible tells us that oftentimes the supernatural seems very natural in the beginning. But if you want to experience the power of God, there's going to have to be something inside of you that stays ready for it to happen at any moment. I know it just looks like a, a, a birth that's about to take place. I, I know that just looks like an ordinary man right there. And I, I know this just seems like an impossibility, but the church of the living God says, I know that God is able to burst into the scene at any moment, and I'm going to keep my heart ready. I'm going to keep my mind ready. I'm going to make room for the miraculous because I never know when it's going to happen. By the way, some people, some of us are guilty of thinking that the miraculous can't happen on a Wednesday night. But did you know God could heal somebody of cancer right here, right now, tonight on a Wednesday night? Be careful that you don't come to church thinking this is just going to be another Bible study. You might be stepping into the miracle working power of God tonight. It's all about whether or not you have made room for the miraculous to take place. Or are we oblivious to what God is doing in our midst? You see, we're guilty of this as Pentecostals especially. And listen, I love to shout and I love to huck a buck and I love to dance and scream. And I love it when the organ really gets going loud and we just really feel the Holy Ghost in the key of G. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I think that's wonderful. But let me just tell you, sometimes the supernatural is very quiet, very calm. It seems very boring, very mundane. But people who know God, they keep their heart open because I never know when I'm going to step into a move of God. I never know when a God moment's going to show up at my doorstep. I never know when God is going to quietly start trying to rearrange my home and rearrange my mind. Number four, we know that he was comfortable with the circumstances. In other words, he had a full in. He had money coming in. He had everything going. He had it all set up the way he wanted it to be. He was taking advantage of the tax season. 
He was enjoying it. This was filling his bank account. This was making his business boom. And he already had everything the way he wanted it. He was content. He was comfortable. And he was not willing to make adjustments for some pregnant woman and a dad in a little desperate situation. And we have to be careful as Americans who are more blessed than we realize. Even the poorest among us in the United States of America are more blessed than the majority of people living in other countries and we can get so comfortable with our circumstances that we forget that God wants to move and sometimes before he'll move he's going to make us uncomfortable first I am willing to be inconvenienced by God so that I can see the miraculous in my life if God wants to show up in the middle of the night and knock on my heart's door and say get up Ryan I've got something I want to do. There's something that's about to be birthed in your home, birthed in your life, birthed in your heart. Then I'm willing to make room and get up and rub the sleep out of my eye and say, Lord, if I've got to make adjustments, I don't want to be so comfortable that you can't change my plans and work a miracle in my life. He was comfortable. And number five, and this is very important. He was likely never even aware of what he missed. He likely never knew what he missed out on. And you can look around at people who don't have a miracle working power of God in their life. They don't have a relationship with God. They've never been filled with the spirit of God. And they think that they're walking in all that there is. And they don't even realize what they've missed because they have not made room in their hearts and in their spirit for God. It's the church's job. Let me just preach to you for a minute. It is your job and my job to let people know who do not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost, who have never seen the miracle working power of God, who don't know what it means to walk in the spirit each and every day. It's our responsibility to let them know you have missed out it's not too late fling open your heart's door Jesus is standing at the door look outside the door Jesus is knocking right now he wants to come in and have a relationship with you Amen. Aren't you glad God filled you with his spirit? Aren't you glad you have a relationship with God? All right now here's where it's going to get quiet next slide and I'm moving quickly I want to look at a few things that crowd out the miraculous, things that fill up the end. If you look at your life, your, your, your body, your mind, your surroundings, if you look at them like the metaphor of the end, that end in the Christmas story, your life is that end. And there are so many things that fill up that end, that fill up your life, that fill up our minds, that crowd out the miraculous. And so when the miraculous comes knocking on your door or my door, if we're not careful, these things will uh, have our lives so full that we say, I, I'm going to need you to move on. I'm going to need you to move on. In fact, these things can crowd us out so much that we don't even realize the miraculous is taking place. I'm always fascinated the, the story of Jacob before he became Israel in the Bible. It says that he, he fell asleep and, and he had a dream and, and the angels were ascending and descending and all of these miraculous things were happening. And when he woke up, he said, surely, listen to this. He said, surely God was in this place and I did not know it. I think that many people have this experience on a regular basis. God was trying to do something. Perhaps it happened to you today and you don't even know it. God was trying to do something. God is moving. God is trying to show us something, but we don't know it because we've crowded it out. Let me give you a few examples. And uh, probably not all of these things. Some of you will relate to some of these and uh, some of you won't, but you will find at least one. One thing that can crowd out the miraculous is careers. Someone said jobs. Jobs. I want you to point this out very quickly. None of the things that I have on this list 
are sinful things by themselves. Everyone get that? None of these things are sinful. By the way, if, uh, if, if you're not willing to work, then uh, you need to really talk to God about that. Because uh, the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be lazy, we shouldn't be slothful. In fact, at one place, the scripture says in Proverbs that a man who will not work to provide for his family is worse than an infidel. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? So here we're talking about something that can crowd out the miraculous, that not only is it not sin, it's something that you need to have. Amen? And so careers, jobs, which are very important and necessary, it's good and right to work. And if you balance it correctly, uh, a career is a wonderful blessing of God. But the moment you allow your job and your career and work to overcome you to a point to where you no longer have time for the things of God, you no longer have time for church, you no longer have time for prayer. I, 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 I'll never forget. Well, I could give lots of examples. I would never mention names, but uh, two, to be precise, and one individual, God gave him a job, a very, very good job. He prayed for it for a long time. Never missed church before he got that job. Got the job, uh, started missing church regularly because of the job. Before you know it, was backslidden, lost his family, lost his job eventually. Because the moment you start crowding out the miraculous because of your job, you have taken it from a blessing to a curse. No one's going to say amen to that, but that's good preaching. Another situation. Someone never had money. Just had a little bit of money and, and had a, a job that really wasn't sufficient for them to pay their bills. But uh, when they had that job, they were very faithful with their tithes and offerings, and they always made it somehow. And then after many, many years of prayer, God blessed them with an incredible job that they never, ever thought they would be able to get, making more money than they ever thought they were ever going to make. And when they suddenly had all of this money, their tithe check seemed a little bit too big. Mm. You know, because when you're tithing on $100, it doesn't seem like that much. You start tithing on $10,000 a month, and that tithe check seems like a little... You start wondering, does God really need 10%? Yes, because it's not yours, it's God's. And so they decided, now that God had blessed them, you better be careful you don't fling the blessings of God back in his face. God had blessed them, and then they decided, We're not, I'm not going to pay my tithes anymore. I'm just going to give what I feel like giving. And before you know it, they were backslidden, and their life was a mess because they quit making room for the miraculous. They took a blessing, and it turned into a curse. Our jobs should never, ever, ever take precedence over God. Someone ought to say, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah. Our jobs, our careers, which are wonderful, good things when we keep them in the proper context. I have seen more people lose out with God because they prioritize their job over God than just about anything else. They took something that was very, very good. And turned it into something very, very bad. By the way, I don't have time to preach this, but I think Chick-fil-A proves that you can keep the Lord's Day holy and separate and a day of rest and a day for the Lord and still have more than what you need. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Just because cultures decided that Sunday is not a day that we ought to give to the Lord doesn't mean that we should allow Sunday to be a day that is not separate and holy unto the Lord. I think you ought to clap your hands even if you don't feel like it because that's good preaching. You just watch how God would bless you if you made a decision. I'm going to keep the Lord's day the Lord's day. Just watch how God would bless your life. Number two, number two, maybe that wasn't you. This one might be. Number two is hobbies. Did you know hobbies can crowd out God quickly? <laughs> Y'all just wanted a Christ you just wanted to hear a little Christmas story and go home, didn't you? Hobbies can crowd out the move of God in your life, the voice of God, the birth of miracles. They'll just crowd it right out of your life. Brother Ryan, are hobbies evil or bad, sinful? No. I think hobbies are wonderful. I think. Everyone should have a hobby. I think it's good to have something that you enjoy doing. 
that uh, relaxes your mind and brings some joy into your life that is fun and, and uh, wholesome and clean. I, I think that's a wonderful thing. Nothing wrong with that at all. However, when your hobby starts pulling you away from the things of God, then your hobby has become an idol. Hello. Your hobby has become an idol. If your hobby pulls you away from church and your hobby pulls you away from prayer and pulls you away from the word and keeps you or if your hobby takes you to ungodly environments. Hello. Takes you places you shouldn't be going, spending time with people you shouldn't be spending time with in environments where there's excessive drinking and partying and environments that are unwholesome and unrighteous where your Holy Ghost just, you know your Holy Ghost just shouldn't be in that environment, then that hobby has become an idol and it's pulling you away and it crowds out the moving of the miraculous in your life. And so hobbies can really push you away from God if you're not careful. Number three, this one's going to surprise you, but family, everyone said family. Family and friends. See, this makes some of you squirm a little bit. Family and friends can crowd out the miraculous. Say, but Brother Ryan, family first. We're supposed to be family-centered. Amen. I agree with that. Friends, it's good to have friends. We should maintain. Amen. I agree with that. But did you know that even Jesus said, you know, you've got to forsake father and mother and follow me. Ooh, this is hard for some of you to handle. You know, some people can elevate family above God. And this is exactly what you should not do. Let me give you the the order very, very quickly of how you should prioritize things in your life. The very first priority in your life should always be God. Everyone said God. It's always God first. If you will put God... See, many people think... God wants me to prioritize my family above him. It seems like that's what God would want you to do. That is incorrect. God wants you to prioritize him first and then your family second. If you prioritize God first, God will bless your family. God will provide for your family. God will bring peace to your family. But if you prioritize your family first, now God is not in your family and blessing your family. This is a very dangerous thing. Many people compromise for their family or they, they miss the things of God because of their family. And so they crowd God out of their life because they're putting their family first. This is not how God wants us to operate. God wants us to do it the other way around. Friends are a good thing, but friends should never take priority over the house of God or the things of God. Hello? And by the way, a friend who does not want you to prioritize God first is not a friend that you should have. I'm going to say that again. Friends who do not want you to prioritize God first are not friends that you should have. Does that mean you can't be friendly with them? Yes, you should be friendly with them, kind Draw them to the Lord, but they should not be your close friend and confidant. The kind of friends that apostolics should want are people who say, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let us worship the Lord together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Those are the kind of friends that apostolic apostolics should want the kind of friends who get Get the edges of your bed and carry it to where Jesus is and break holes in the roof and let you down to where Jesus hit. Those are the kind of friends you need in your life. Friends who get you closer to Jesus and not pull you further away from Jesus. Friends will crowd the miraculous out of your life. I'm amazed at how much time people have that will say, well, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to go to prayer. I'm too busy for church. Sunday night church is too much. I can't make it to Bible study. I can't help with that event. I can't do this for God. I can't do that for God. I just don't have time. But they have so much time for their friends and their family. There's time for parties. There's time for games. And you know what? It's amazing. Those people will show up to fun night. If there's food being served and there's going to be fellowship, they're going to be there. 
but you're not going to see the miraculous in their life. It's going to be missing because they've crowded out. Is this too heavy for y'all? Y'all okay? This is good preaching. Number four, worries and cares. Worries and cares will crowd out the miraculous power of God. And we all have them. Everyone in this room has worries and cares. Uh, some of us are worried about the bills. I paid bills today, and I'm not too proud to admit that I had a few worries and cares. When you pay bills, sometimes that's a little stressful, isn't it? And you feel a little anxiety. Some of you, it's no big deal, but for the rest of us human beings out here, sometimes that's a little, little uncomfortable. It's not always fun, especially at Christmas time. And uh, sometimes we have health concerns, and uh, sometimes we, we're worried about our children. And these are not sinful worries. They're not, they're, it's not ungodly for us to have a sense of responsibility. And we're, we're trying to do the right thing. And it causes us to, and some of us worry a little more than others. Some of us have a, a little stronger sense of obligation and responsibility. Some of y'all are just very carefree. I envy you sometimes. But worries and cares can go to a level of anxiety or a level of fear that is not righteous and not godly. It, it can become literally doubt. It can literally become something that pushes out the presence of God. And so how, how can you recognize that's happening? You come into the house of God and you have so much fear and anxiety that you can't praise God. You have so much fear and anxiety that you can't recognize that God is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. You have so much fear and anxiety that you can't recognize that God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he is well able to meet the lead. It's okay to have a few worries and cares, but you ought to be able to step into his presence and say, Lord, I'm handing you this worry. I'm handing you this fear. I'm putting this in your hands because I know that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. I don't know how this is going to get done, but I know you're going to help me with it, Lord. I know you're able. Never let your worries and cares crowd out the miraculous out of your life. The moment you come to church and you're so full of anxiety that you can't allow the spirit to work, you have allowed the miraculous to be crowded out of your life. Push that fear. Let let perfect love cast out fear. Let the love of God. What does that mean? You rest in the knowledge that God loves you perfectly. That God cares about your every need. God knows the pain you have in your body right now. And he loves you and he cares for you. And he is going to help you. God knows how much money you have in the bank account. And he knows how many bills you have to pay. And God loves you perfectly. He cares for you. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed out begging bread. Rest in that perfect love and know that God is going to meet the need, whatever it is. Number five, entertainment. Look at your neighbor and say entertainment. Entertainment. Now, this one's interesting because entertainment can be very ungodly. And it can be sin. And entertainment can also uh, be... Uh, clean and fine and nothing wrong with it. And by the way, uh, just about everyone in this room has a little entertainment device called a cell phone. And uh, some of y'all don't want to admit it. Some of you grown-ups, even some of you elders, God bless you. You have, uh, you have games on your phone. <laughs> some of you have more games than you want to admit. Now, if you ever go through my phone, um, there's lots of games in fact, I'm looking at my phone right now, and it's a picture of Josiah and my son, a close-up of their face, because that's, thank you, Uncle Jonathan, we appreciate that, for teaching them how to do that. There's lots of games on my phone because of my son. I've never played any of them. But entertainment can, can be fine. There's nothing wrong with, it's like a hobby. It, there's nothing wrong with having a little, playing a little game, a little words with friends. That can be fine. Doing something clean and wholesome. If you have a little bit of time somewhere, that's okay. But if entertainment becomes something that you cannot give up to be in the presence of the Lord, you have a serious problem. I was talking to a, a youth pastor from another church, not in Georgia, and they were telling me how they quit having Sunday night church so that their youth group could have movie nights on Sunday nights. I can just tell you right now, the miraculous is not in that youth group because they've allowed... 
they've allowed entertainment to push out the miracle working power of God. The minute, the minute you choose your phone over the preaching of the word in a church service, you have crowded out the miraculous. Everybody okay? Mm. The minute you let Facebook take precedence over what's happening in the house of God while you're in the house of God, you can know immediately you have allowed entertainment to crowd out the miraculous. Ooh, I just felt conviction just whoosh, just sweep across the room. Just like that innkeeper. You just told Jesus to find a stable. Find a stable because there's not room here. I'm, I'm busy. I'm surfing Facebook. I don't have time for what you're trying to do right now, God. The moment you allow dirty entertainment into your home that fills your mind and you fill your mind with ungodly television shows and ungodly movies or you're reading ungodly novels or you're allowing filth into your heart and your mind. You have crowded out the spirit of God. You have literally pushed out. By the way, the Holy Ghost is holy. And the Holy Ghost, if you think for one moment that the Holy Ghost is going to sit there and watch sexually inappropriate movies with you. You've got another thing coming. I'm just going to tell you, the minute you do that, you have pushed the Holy Ghost right out of your heart, right out of your home. You don't need to wonder whether or not you're backslidden. You are backslidden. And it's time to pray back through and make room again for the Holy Ghost. If you, see, Oh, I'm going to help somebody right now. If, if you think for one second that the Holy Ghost is going to sit there and laugh at homosexuality and dirty jokes and curse words and be entertained by that. And you think the Holy Spirit of God is going to sit there and do that with you? You've got another thing coming. The Holy Ghost left that room so fast and something else came into that room. And you better go ahead and say, Lord, I'm making room. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me and refill me with your presence, Lord. The moment you allow that kind of entertainment into your life, the moment you allow filthy and immoral entertainment, music, whatever it is, books, uh, whatever it is, if you allow that into your life, you have been like that innkeeper and you said, move over to the stable or find somewhere else to go because I've got too much going on here. I'm too busy watching what I want to watch. You better repent and say, Lord, uh, I want you in my home. I want you in my life. I want you to be where I am. I invite you. Number six, everyday distractions. We all have them. Everyday distractions. I'm going to tell you, this is the one I struggle with the most because 24 hours is just not enough time. When I get to heaven, one of the first things I'm going to say is, Lord, why did we only get 24 hours a day? We need 36 hours at least to get everything done. I get through a week and, uh, and I'm, I've got a list, Sister Taylor and I, we have a text message thread where all we do is just text each other uh, things that we have to do, things that we have to get done for the church, for ourselves, for the kids, lists. And, it's, and sometimes it's got 20, 25, 30 things on the list. And I just keep trying to get through it as best I can. And then the end of the week comes and I look at it and there's still more to be done than what I did. You know Why? Because when you make a list and then you start going through the day and things get added to your list that you never planned on. It's just the daily grind, daily distractions, just the little things, text messages, phone calls. None of these things are sinful. It's just everything vying for your attention, trying to pull you in one direction or another. And we all have to contend with that. But let me just tell you that you need to keep a mindset even in the daily grind of life. Lord, you can interrupt me anytime you want to interrupt me and I will make room in my schedule for you to move. I'll make room in my schedule. If you feel the urge to pray, you better drop everything and pray. If you feel the urge to get in the presence of God, drop everything and get in the presence of God. If you feel like you're moving further away from God, go ahead and make room in your busy schedule and get in the presence of God. Number seven, education. Brother Ryan, are you against education? <laughs> 
My Lord, no, I am not against education. In fact, I think we all ought to do the very best that we can. But did you know that education, if, if you prioritize it over the things of God, college, anything, whatever it is, if you prioritize it over the things of God, then you are in a very precarious situation. A very precarious situation. You know, I sometimes have parents, and, you know, listen, I know as a parent, sometimes we're just doing the best we can. They don't really give us uh, an instruction manual. It's just one of those things, boom, you're a parent, and uh, you got one shot, and you're you're just doing the best you can. But I've had many parents tell me, you know, my kids have too much homework to go to church, so I'll keep them home. It would be better for you to go to church and keep your kids in the house of God and let them stay up late and do homework than for you to keep them out of church and prioritize education over the miracle working power of God. When you start making decisions like that, even in your own education career, my education, I've just got to get this education. I don't have time for the things of God. Once I get done, once I get my education, then I'll make time for God. No, it rarely works that way. You need to be very, very careful. You have crowded the miraculous out of your life. Someone said amen. Number eight, love of comfort. Love of comfort. Sometimes we just love our comfort so much. Laziness has kept more people out of the presence of God than just about anything else just comfortable comfort can be a dangerous thing because we just we're just content where we are but God wants to give us something so much better than our lazy boy chair God wants to give us so much better than our couch he wants to interrupt our lives love of comfort number nine selfishness selfishness can cause us just just like just like this innkeeper something was happening in his life and he wasn't able to have compassion on the circumstance and allow the king of kings into his inn sometimes selfishness just causes us to overlook what god is trying to do because oftentimes god wants to give you a blessing by first calling you to be a blessing to someone else see most people want a blessing. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. You'd be amazed how many people, the only reason they come to church is because they want someone to bless them. They want someone to give them something. I, I came here to be given something. Uh, it, whether it's sometimes it's not from God. Sometimes they just want you to bless them or me to bless them. And, uh, and it's, it's that mindset of, uh, it's a selfish mindset that I'm just here to get something. But you know, most of the time, God will require you to give. The scripture says, give and it shall be given. See, if you just want to be given to all the time and you never want to be the one doing the giving, then you will miss the miraculous. The innkeeper had to, if he, had, if he was going to have the miracle working power of God, he was going to have to start by giving something of himself, and then God would have stepped into his life. In fact, God will often require you to give something you don't want to give. In fact, sometimes God will require you to give something that is, is the last that you have of that thing. We see this over and over in Scripture. We see the widow woman who gave the last little bit of meal to Elijah, to the man of God. We have the, the, the young lad who gives the loaves and the fishes to Jesus. We, we see the, the woman who put in that last mite into the offering plate. It's just the last thing that they had. And God said, I'm going to take that very last thing and I'm going to turn it around. And I'm going to bless you over and over and over and over again because it is more blessed. Now, here we are, full circle at the Christmas season, saying it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. Stand with me. I'm closing. To crowd out. But I know that I'm in a church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, and I'm preaching, teaching to apostolics tonight. Paul reminded the church. He said, know ye not. That ye are the temple of God. Now we're moving from the metaphor of being an inn to being the temple. And that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If you've received the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues and you've had the gifts of the Spirit manifest in your life, the fruit of the Spirit manifested in your life. These are all evidences that you have been filled with the Spirit 
of God. If you have that in your life, at some point you made room for the spirit in your life. You had to empty yourself. By the way, that's what repentance is. You, you're emptying yourself out of all of your flesh and you make room for the spirit of God to come in. But at some point as Christians, if we're not careful, we will invite things back into our life that begin to crowd the spirit out. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. And we all have to take a moment every once in a while and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Push everything out that's distracting me from you. Push everything out of my... Lord, I want you to just purge me of everything that's trying to crowd your spirit out of my heart and out of my life and out of my mind. And the Christmas season is such a beautiful time to remember to keep God first and to keep your life, your heart full of the spirit of God. I'm not going to make you jump and shout, but would you just lift up your hands and ask the Lord to push out everything that would try to crowd him out? Could we do that right now? Lord, in your name, I pray that you'd cast out all the cares and all the worries and all the fears, all the anxieties that are trying to crowd your spirit out of our minds and our hearts. I pray that you'd push out Everything that's vying for attention, that's trying to squeeze you out of our lives. And I pray that we would make room for you, not only in our hearts, but in our homes. That we'd make room for you in our time. That we'd make room for you in our families. That we would keep you first in everything, God. That nothing would take priority over you, but that you would be the first in all things. I pray this Christmas season would be a reminder to make room for you in the end, that we would never force you to go somewhere else, but that you would stay right here with us. I pray, Lord, that Apostolic Tabernacle would always be a church that makes room for miracles, that makes room for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that makes room for you to inconvenience us, God. Whenever you need to interrupt us, Lord, interrupt us. That's our prayer. Whatever you need to do, God, we're asking you to do it. We're open to it. We're hungry for it. We're ready for it, God. Help us to never be be too busy or too distracted let it always be that you are first and we ask it in the name of the lord jesus christ and everyone said in jesus name in jesus name turn to your neighbor and tell them brother ryan's sweaters are not always ugly amen god bless you you're dismissed tonight we love you